Josh Pollard. I'm Joe DeSazio. And this is Story Players, the podcast that analyzes story-driven video games. This is the sixth and final episode of our Final Fantasy XV series. We've been playing this game for a few weeks now and getting together to discuss every couple chapters through the main quest. And this has been an interesting series because I've been playing the pocket edition of Mm -hmm. this game on my phone. And Josh, you, of course, have been playing on the Xbox One X. Well, that's not even the only interesting thing about this, I think. I think the other thing that makes us doing this interesting is I've never made it more than 12 hours in a Final Fantasy game. I've I've made it about that far in Final Fantasy 7 and 12 and 13 <laughs> and quit all of them. And now I've accomplished something. I have finally finished my first Final Fantasy game. And I think this is sort of the same for you too, right? I mean, I never technically beat any of them before, right. but I hardly consider what I played here to be a true Final Fantasy game. <laughs> so, uh, I, I still, I still need to do that. Okay. Today we are going to be talking about the, just the final chapter mm-hmm. of the game, which is chapter 10 in the pocket edition and chapter 14 in the main edition. And, uh, they're both called homecoming. Right. So what did you think about this conclusion, this finale? Well, let's talk about what we thought of ba- the level itself, basically. And we'll talk about the game itself later, obviously. Sure. I was not excited about this. I started it, got to the point where I was ready to, to start having the fights and everything, where you go to Insomnia, and everything was super powerful, and I was not. And that meant that I instead stopped playing that section used Umbra the dog to go back in time and grind and grind and grind. Well, yeah, last episode you were having such a problem with Ravis taking forever. Yeah, I really didn't want that to happen again. So I think I was level 40 at the end of the last chapter and the last time we recorded. Before going into this, I was up to level 48, I Hmm. think. So when when you came back and finished it, you were at 48? Yeah, yeah. And that took hours five (laughs) five six hours of grinding to get up to that level and it was fun i mean i i enjoy doing the things of final fantasy but i wanted to finish this game i didn't want to go back and do stupid monster i mean they're not that stupid but i didn't want to have to go and do monster hunts and other some of them are stupid side quests collecting frogs for the crazy scientist lady and stuff like that and so i of course did all that grinding and earning a whole bunch of money so that I could buy a ridiculous amount of potions and high potions and elixirs and Phoenix downs and all of that, because I figured even at level 48, I'm probably going to get smoked by Mm -hmm. these fools. And it wasn't hard at all. (laughs) So kind of a little frustrating. Like I do honestly wonder if I needed to do any of that grinding at all. Yeah, maybe not. Like if I could the, have just ran past some of those things. The bosses did seem easier. Yeah, the bosses seemed really easy. And, and and this is what we talked about in the first episode about grinding. And that that's usually like where I drop off of mm-hmm. games, of RPGs specifically, is I'll, I'll really enjoy them. But once I get to a point where I feel like there's nothing, there's nothing, there's like no low hanging fruit to give me big chunks of experience. And I just have to wander around a field 
waiting for random battles to happen so <laughs> right. I can just keep pushing the same button over and over again to win the battle to get experience. But in this case, you actually had side quests to do. Yeah. You, I mean, were any of the side quests interesting? Because in the Pocket Edition, they're non-existent. So is there anything that is worth mentioning, at least, you know, for me? Because I don't even know anything about the side quests in the game. I didn't end up doing that many side quests. There were only a few that I would call... Well, I mean... the because there's more traditional side quests that, that are mostly fetch questy things. And I did a few of those and no, those weren't interesting at all. And then I went on a few of the monster hunts because I figured going after those big guys would also get me a whole bunch of XP and there it's cool to fight the big monsters, but you know, whatever. And then the other thing that I did was just wait around until nighttime for all the big demons to show up and fought a whole bunch of big demons at night. And that was cool, but what really made all of this a lot more interesting uh, was the fact that throughout some of those bigger fights, especially the bigger demon battles and, and a couple of the monsters, they were hard fights. And so I would get lots of summons and it's mm. always fun to get the summons. <laughs> and a few times, Aranea showed up and really? I wasn't expecting that at all. You know, I would just be in the middle of a fight. It seemed like it was only at night. I wonder if she did only come at night or if that was just coincidence, but I'd be in the middle of a fight and then another one of those emperor airships would fly over and I'd be like, really? More <laughs> like I'm getting help. smoked here mm -hmm. and that you're going to drop more dudes on me? Nope. The door opens and it's Aranea and she jumps out and joins the fight. And so now I technically had five people fighting for me and, and a fourth person Oh, she just wanders she, around in the battlefield, yeah. just like one of the other characters? Yeah, yeah. And and you can use her tech skills. Oh, so you've okay. got four people. So it's kind of like when she skills. came in the party in that one right. episode. Same sort of thing where you can, yeah, you can do those like combo moves and things together. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that was cool. And, and all of that did make the grinding less terrible than in older role, maybe more traditional role-playing games. And not having to wait through random generated battles like in the in the really old days you know i could see where the creatures were mm -hmm. except in some areas where at, at various points whenever you're traveling around in the main world niflheim airships will fly over and drop out some dudes to fight it's not super common except in this one area which is actually the last area that i went to over by the smoldering volcano where i went to do one quest. It was a few hundred meters of walking. That's it. And four of those ships showed up just in walking to it and back to my car. I'm like, come on, this is getting ridiculous. But other than that, the grinding really wasn't that bad. So while I was frustrated to have to do it, or at least to feel like I had to do it, it was still enjoyable because I still enjoy the, the main gameplay of this mm -hmm. game. How about the story? Did you find how things wrapped up satisfying or disappointing? I thought it was good. It's not going to go down as one of my favorite stories of all time or even one of my favorite video game stories of all time. But it's complicated. It's convoluted. Uh, it's drawn out kind of needlessly, you know, basically just to make the game longer, it felt like. So it's fine. It, it's not terrible. It's fine. Okay. Well, do you, let's just get in the recap and we can actually... You're not going to tell me your thoughts on the story? <laughs> I think I've said everything I need to say in, in previous episodes about the story. The conclusion of the story didn't 
changed my opinion of the story up to this point. Okay. It still seemed, uh, you know, very confusing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, it seemed to, you know what? We'll just wait. We'll just wait to talk about that <laughs> later. I don't want to get into a lot of the details, but okay. suffice to say that I, it didn't, it didn't change my opinion of the overall story. So on a terrible, meh, okay, good, great scale, where do you rate the story? Uh, I, I would fall squarely in the meh category hmm. on this, on this game, on the story. Okay. All right. So how about we jump into the recap? Okay. We start up 10 years later than the end of the last chapter. A visibly older Noct sits in a stone prison. He stands up and walks out. Outside, Umbra Dog is there to deliver a message to go to Hammerhead. So Noct drives the boat across the sea back to Galden Quay, where we see the whole the whole world is dark and there are demons everywhere. Everything is in ruins. We can tell that a lot of time has passed and things are not real good right now. Mm-hmm. So the very first thing that I did when I got on the dock was pull up my map and see where am I, how far away from Hammerhead am I, and does anything look different on the map? Mm-hmm. Something does look different. Previously for me, there's outposts all over the place, there's icons of things to do all over the place from all the side quests and things that I haven't done, or dungeons that never disappear and all that. That's not the case anymore. There is only one thing on the map, and and it's Hammerhead. Hammerhead, yeah. And and it leaves me with the impression that Hammerhead is the only outpost left. I don't know about Lestalem. I kind of assume it's maybe okay. But in terms of outpost, Hammerhead looks like the only one that's left. And eventually we find out, yeah, yeah. kind of is. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, it was interesting coming to this place after crossing the sea again is this is where we first met Arden is at this it looked like a, a resort kind of area or at least a cool hangout place where the boats would, would come out. And this is, I think, where you first learned fishing in the in the main version, mm-hmm. you know, with the little kitty cat who's looking for fish. Right. And uh, it just looks so completely different, uh, not only because it's dark and, and things are destroyed, but on the on the pocket edition where the camera angles are more fixed and you don't have any control over the camera, it's now from the camera is now pointing the other direction. So it looks like. Like, like you're coming at it from a completely different direction and it feels like a whole different place just, mm. just from that. I wanted to say something about old man knocked here and the, the way that he appears. Okay. In, in the pocket edition, this looks like, <laughs> this looks like knocked wearing makeup or something. Like it's, <laughs> it's the same old model, right? Of mm-hmm. the character, but he's got some facial hairlines yep. that look like they're painted on <laughs> and he's got like a new hair color. Other than that, he looks and sounds exactly the same. Huh. Uh, so I definitely didn't notice in the opening of the game where it is, it, well, we, we come to that scene later on in, in this chapter that he was older. I didn't notice it then. <laughs> and if I hadn't known that he was going to be aging, I, I, I would just think that he grew a beard or some yeah. facial hair. Right. It was far more evident in the main version, as you might expect. The, yeah. the facial hair looked good and he had a lot of dirt on his face. You're the king, dude. Watch your face. <laughs> what is this prison? So the last time that we saw him, he was in the crystal, right? I was hoping you weren't going to ask me that question. <laughs> I can't. I, I can't just keep going. It doesn't. I have no freaking clue. It doesn't make any sense. So where where you said you looked at the map, right? So do you know where this prison was like before crossing the sea? I think it was south of everything. 
Is it is it a place that we had been before that no. we had seen from the outside? No, not, I don't think so. And and I wasn't there long enough to really pay that much attention. And it's not much of a prison. There's no one else there, and the door's wide open. Like, what was he doing? Why was he there? I assume that he was, you know, storing up power or whatever inside the crystal. Mm-hmm. But what triggered the what triggered being here right now? Yeah, how did he get there? And how long has he been there? Because we assume he's been in the crystal for ten years. Is he just waking up, or has he been here for some period of time, and he's just decided now is the time to leave? I don't think we're supposed to ask this question. I think they want us to they want to pat our heads and tell us to move along now and finish the game. Okay, later a truck drives up to us and inside is a young man who reveals himself to be Talcott. And he drives us to Hammerhead. So, uh, do you basically just go straight from I'm wandering around on the dock to I'm I'm getting in a truck? Well, I mean there's some walking around and there might be some battles and things, but cuz this was way more stressful for me. I died a couple of times right away. How so? Because I'm still fairly low like i was level 40 ish at, at this point mm-hmm. and you know i've just gotten my butt handed to me by by ravis so i have nothing left in terms of medicine or potions or anything like that and there's monsters everywhere and where you're put is really far from hammerhead and i have no regalia mm-hmm. and as I'm just trying to get off the dock, I'm getting attacked by hordes of really powerful monsters. Mm. So eventually I just start running. Yeah. Like, I, I don't think I'm going to be able to fight these guys. I'm just going to run. And, you know, run one way and here's a giant demon. Nope, not going to go that way. Run another <laughs> way. Nope, not going to go that way. And eventually I make it up to the road and start walking and just think, this is going to take me hours mm. if I have to walk. All the way to Hammerhead <laughs> and avoid all these monsters in the uh-huh. process. Unfortunately, Talca shows up. Yeah, it, it it wasn't that bad for me. So whenever you usually engage in battle, it puts up this like force field in the area that you can't mm-hmm. leave. So is it not doing that then when you're running through all these guys? Uh, it it does show a box on a map, and when the well that box appears once you've like started the battle, mm-hmm. and if you run outside of the box, then the battle is over. Oh, okay, yeah. Running away. That makes sense. Yeah. During our drive, Talkit tells us a few things. It's obviously... Oh, wait. Not obviously. That's not the word that I wrote down. It's been nighttime ever since we entered the crystal. So the sun hasn't appeared at all in the 10 years since we've been gone. Everyone has moved to Lestalem, where they still have some light because of the power plant there. Sid is, in fact, still alive. Iris apparently goes by the name of Iris the Demon Slayer. It's a pretty sweet name. I'd, wa- I'd watch that show. And not at all what you would expect after what you've <laughs> no. last seen of her. And also, sadly, Ignis never regained his sight. Yeah, that was really sad. That was like just the start of all of the terrible things that are going to happen in this chapter. So what do you think about Talcott being the guy in here? It was it was refreshing. It was I'd never been so happy to see Talcott, that's for <laughs> sure. I just assumed that Talcott you know, as a kid was just, you know, some throwaway side character and mm-hmm. I hadn't, I really didn't expect him to be showing up here right. and, and playing a, a big part here with our getting ready for the final battle. Yeah. I, I do have to wonder what he's doing driving around out here by himself, with all these demons. But. Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's part of, part of the, why is knocked in this prison and why is he leaving right now? It seems like Talca is expecting him. It seems mm. like he gets a phone call during this truck ride and the whoever's on the phone wants to talk to Noct, as if that person knows that Noct is in the truck. And so, like, somebody 
this wasn't just like a coincident, coincidental driving by and I just happened to see Noct who hasn't been around for 10 years. It's almost like either they've been in communication before this point or everybody knew that at 10 years point, come back and, and he's going to show up. That, that isn't the impression that I walked away from it with, but I don't know. Uh, it, it did seem somewhat coincidental to me. But like maybe he was, was just, just like, oh my God, it's knocked. You know, I, I guess I don't remember if he was surprised at it being knocked, but I remember knocked being awfully surprised that it was Talcott. Sure. Yes, I'll give you that. Yeah, he didn't. Yeah, he didn't expect this person to be Talcott. There are there are times where, yeah, knocked is cause how much has knocked been like in some sort of like cry, uh, cryo sleep for this whole time where <laughs> right. it's, it's like it's literally been a few minutes since the time that we left him in the crystal. Or does he have some like knowledge or feeling of the passage of time? Because he, he makes a lot of comments like that. Like he's he's surprised that, you know, Talca is so much older. And mm-hmm. So we meet up with Ignis Gladio and Prompto in Hammerhead. Talcott stays there, obviously, and he uh, you can talk to him and he has a lot of things to say. So to fill you in on what's happened in the last 10 years, just a few things that he talks about. You can ask him about the Imperial Army and he mentions that Aranea, Biggs and Wedge now lead their own armies for Lucia. You can ask about Arden and he says that Ignis and himself researched and found Arden was considered a savior, healing the demons and became a demon himself. So that kind of clears up our confusion that we had last episode. Yeah, definitely. Where we weren't really sure in that story because of all of the pronouns, who was who in all of that. Right. right. There was the the jealous king and then there was the healer. Mm-hmm. And we presumed that the king was Arden and that the other person that he was referring to was the healer. But it turns out it was actually the other way around. Right. Yeah. Arden was the healer and he was healing people by sucking the demons into himself basically and that had the unfortunate side effect of turning him into a demon yeah an immortal demon an immortal demon i mean if i see a commercial for medicine some sort of medication because the doctor <laughs> side effects may may include being turned into an immortal demon probably don't want to take that medicine probably i mean, maybe maybe do. might be worth it might be not for him he seems like he's tired of it though he was pretty well dressed though you can ask about a cordo which is the it's like the middle region, right? Where um, Altitia, Altitia is. Yep. Apparently survivors are coming from that region over to Lestalem, which is already full from all the people evacuating insomnia. So it's just everybody, it seems like in the world, or at least two major regions of the world, are all trying to survive in this one place that has enough light to, to keep the demons at bay. Right. You can ask about the Empire and... Talcott says that with the Emperor and Ravis dead, Niflheim has just fallen apart. You can ask about demons. He talks about how he didn't realize that they were actually ordinary people who had been transformed into monsters. He just figured that they were, you know, like a, a scarier version of animals. And you can uh, ask about Jared, who is Talcott's grandpa. Mm-hmm. And Talcott thinks that it's actually his fault, his being Talcott's fault, that his grandfather died because... During that time when the Empire was coming into the city, Talca had unknowingly given a bunch of information to an Imperial soldier, not realizing what the soldier was actually trying to do. Yeah. And Nox like, it's okay, dude. You, it's not your fault. You know, you're just a kid. You didn't, it wasn't your fault. It was the Empire's fault. Yeah. Yeah. That's a long time to be living with that guilt. And then we'd change into our royal robes or outfits uh, and, and head out to insomnia. Yeah. So in... 
in my version of the game, which is generally wide open, once I get dropped off at a hammerhead, hammerhead is, the gates are closed. I can't leave. I can't walk out and explore the open world. None of that is available. And when I go to the gate, it it puts up a message that says, the final battle will commence once you leave hammerhead. Be sure to spare no preparation. <laughs> so you stocked up on so potions. I did, I did stock up on some for sure, but not not as much as I did after grinding and grinding and grinding. <laughs> this was the last time we got to hear the, I've come up with a new recipe. I had a, a couple of mm-hmm. ingredients to find and that was almost nostalgic because it's been so long, <laughs> like half the game since I've heard that. So yes, we start, this is starting the final battle in insomnia and when we get there it's for me it's it's just boss fight after boss fight after boss fight and it's like a lot of the previous bosses we've already fought naga the big snake thing with a giant human head one of the spider lady things death claw and a gargantua and it was they weren't all together they were just i'd fight one walk for a while fight another one yeah not radically different from what i had when when I first show up in Insomnia, there's a few Magitek troops to kill. And then if I go straight, there is this giant beast that was shooting out laser beams and stuff. Yeah, that guy whooped me. I decided not to go that way anymore. Uh, went another way, saw some of the huge snake ladies, tried fighting them, then gave up and ran away. Did have to fight the big spider thing. Went into the tunnels, fought some more Magitek troopers, and I... Did fight Gargantua again. And once I got into that tunnel, the subway tunnel or whatever it was, then it all gets super linear from there. Mm -hmm. Okay. We make it up to the Citadel and Arden is there and he introduces us to Ifrit, the Infernian, who is, as we suspected last chapter, the final god that we haven't seen yet. Mm -hmm. And he is indeed on fire and has control of fire. We come to, we, we revisit the introduction of the game here. Yep. So that's, that was really cool knowing now what all these guys have gone through that we didn't, we didn't know about that at the mm-hmm. beginning of the game. I, I always felt like it was just going to be some part in the middle that we'd, we'd come across and be a cool little thing, but this right. is actually the ending. Mm-hmm. But instead of fading to black and, and all of a sudden pushing a car down the street, <laughs> it transitions into a full boss fight. That ends with some summons, right? We've, we've got two new summons in here. Not new. We have one new summon, Bahamut, which was pretty cool. The Bahamut summit was so cool. Shiva comes and actually finishes off the pyre burner by kissing him. It was very romantic. A little. Kind of kind of weird, but... You know, freezes him, much like she did with Arden on the train that one time. Mm-hmm. And I think, didn't she, like, kiss her finger, though, and, like, put it on his on yes. Arden's face? But this time she actually kisses... His lower lip. And... To shed, to shed. He's gone. To because shed. she's like the size of his chin. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a huge boss fight, but it doesn't really feel like that big of a boss fight. Like this was the sort of thing that I anticipated. It is the sort of thing that caused me to grind forever and to buy 50 potions, <laughs> 50 high elixirs and, and 20 or so Phoenix Downs. And this wasn't difficult at all. Not even a little bit. It, I, I do a little bit of damage. Bahamut comes, wrecks the ever-living crap out <laughs> of him. And then I fight some more. I never used a Phoenix down. I only even used a few potions. 
And then Shiva shows up and finishes him off. Like this wasn't difficult at all. I think every boss fight that I've fought other than this one has been harder. Was this battle? I mean, battles are weird for you anyway. Was this difficult at all for you? It didn't feel much different, except there was at some point where it seemed like I was not doing much damage at all, where I'm I'm expecting to do 3,000, 4,000 damage. All of a sudden I'm doing 70 damage. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I couldn't figure out why. I didn't know if it was just because he was his energy or his health was going down. And I don't know, there's some sort of defense mechanism. But I just kept moving around thinking maybe I have to hit him from a different side or I don't know. But eventually, you know, he died. So no, it wasn't it wasn't a big deal at all. Yeah. It was it was a big deal in terms of the cinematics, right? It wasn't oh, yeah. the summon, like the Bahamut summon, it isn't just here's a bunch of swords coming at you and you just take it all and and here's your 9,999 million <laughs> points taken away. Ifrit is like running around the whole area dodging all of these swords and things. So mm-hmm. it, it was it was neat to see that. Yeah. It made it stand out from a regular battle, but yeah, it wasn't very difficult. We make it up to the throne room, and before we go in, Noct asks to see Prompto's photos because he wants to take one with him. How does this play out for you? Is there any, anything for you to do here? You get to pick because you're not taking a bunch of photos throughout the game, right? No, I don't get to take pictures. I don't get to see Prompto's pictures at the so end of the quest. How many did he have? Like, does he show you a whole bunch of pictures that you've never seen before and you get to pick one or how does this work for you? No, he doesn't show me any pictures. You just get one. I just get a picture and I don't <laughs> even get to see what it is. Really? Yeah. So for me, it gives me the option of every photo that I've chosen to save. Oh, okay. Because, uh, you know, at the end of every day or yeah. every big mission or whatever, it shows me 10 photos that, that Prompto took and I can choose to save some. And I've saved about 10 of them. And a couple in there are like, I don't, they might've just shown up like auto saved basically. Mm-hmm. I, I, cause I think the one that I picked in the end was one that may have auto saved. Yeah. Because if you, what if you didn't take any pictures, like what would happen here? <laughs> right. It'd be pretty lame. <laughs> yeah. Uh, because I ended up picking one of everybody right before, uh, the boy band hops on the boat to Alticia. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. Yeah, I didn't. I just take this big square rectangle and just pocket it somewhere. (laughs) Yeah, I didn't. I didn't quite understand that, but I thought I figured you just wanted something to look at if you needed to. Inside the throne room, Arden sits on the throne, and the crystal sits above him. He knocks out Ignis Gladio and Prompto, and challenges Knock to a fight. We make our way back to the courtyard for the actual boss fight with Arden. He's able to like fight and talk at the same time, which I can't even like play games and talk at the same time. <laughs> so I was pretty impressed here. He's got some things to say. He says that he's been assimilating demons while Nox is in the crystal. So it's not like his power level stayed the same and Nox has been growing. They've both been growing. Mm-hmm. You have your standard fight followed by a flying battle, kind of like the Leviathan fight, after which some huge... I don't want to say I don't want to say images. I want to say like ghostly apparitions mm-hmm. of past kings appear above them. While like at this point, both Arden and Noct are just like barely standing, and they're just kind of like slapping each other with their weapons. <laughs> it's pretty pathetic. And eventually, the fight does pick up a bit, and Noct wins. Yeah. yeah. Yet again, not a difficult fight for for me. No Phoenix Downs used. 
I might have only even used a couple of potions. Like it really wasn't hard at all. Kind of disappointing in that sense. And you know, you, you talked about that that one part being pathetic. There's like there are moments in this fight that are super choreographed where it feels mm-hmm. like I'm not even really doing anything. Mm-hmm. It, it felt very similar to the fight against Leviathan, mm-hmm. where it's like this this looks cool, guys, but um, <laughs> it's not really making me feel cool because I don't feel like I'm doing anything. Yeah. The other part where they are stabbing each other back and forth. I don't have a health bar. He doesn't have a health bar. <laughs> I just I just touch him and they just stab each other back and forth. And the numbers come up showing that they are losing health. But mm-hmm. as far as I can tell, it's just you just got to let it go for a while. There was an interesting bug here with the pocket edition. Which was for some reason when we're, when I'm actually fighting Arden, not during the flying sequence, but during the the first part where it's just sort of a normal fight, and then during this pathetic back and forth, where the volume seems to drop overall, except for Arden's grunts are now like like more louder. Like it's <laughs> so for me, it's like clang clang clang, oh clang 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 ah, it was obnoxious. <laughs> That is hilarious. (laughs) I want to talk a little bit about, now we know a little bit more about Arden. I want to go back to his motivations here. What is he, what is he trying to accomplish here? Because we had theorized that he just, he just wants to kill the Kings. Maybe I thought maybe he's trying to get himself killed because he's immortal. And this is the only way that he can like free himself from this tortured existence. Mm -hmm. He gets really heated up during this fight just flat out saying, you know, I hate you with all of my being or something like that to Noct because is because Noct is seemingly denying him what he what he wants. What is it that he wants? Because by the time I finish this battle, I feel like it's real simple. It's just pure vengeance. And that's it. He was the healer. He became a demon. This other king who was jealous, you know, whatever he did, Arden can't ascend and he is just angry with everybody because of the situation that he was in. Mm. And this entire game is just him wanting to end this whole line of royal kings. Right. And destroy Noct, destroy the crystal, destroy the ring. And, and that's it. He I talked think that's ab- pretty much it. He talked about redemption in the last chapter that he would be redeemed. But I don't see how that, I don't see how you be, re- how you can be redeemed in a vengeance story. Uh, well, I think some people would call that redemption. At least they think that's what it is at the time, right? Like, isn't that why people avenge their fallen loved ones? Because they think it'll bring redemption, but it never does. I don't know. Maybe I don't know the proper definition of redemption. Allow me to consult my global computer. Redemption is the action of saving or being saved from, from sin, error, or evil. Error. Maybe. I could see he's being saved from error. He feels like he's redeeming his rightful spot as king, right? I don't think he wants to be king. I think he just wants to kill everything and then destroy the light. But isn't that because he wanted to be king? Maybe, but he's not going to become king unless uh, he's king He's of, sitting on a throne. At the moment, because he's waiting for Noct. But what is he a king of? He isn't, of the monsters, of the did, demons? Yeah, I mean, he's not king in the way he had hoped to be, but no, I, I think, and maybe this is me ascribing feelings to him that he doesn't actually have, but I would think that he would have if he was a somewhat normal human being similar to me. (laughs) And maybe that's a really huge stretch. (laughs) As I say that, that's a really big stretch. I would think more than 
more than being king, what he really wants is for all of this to end. It, like he's immortal. It, no one want, No one actually wants to be immortal. I mean, that, that's what we've learned in in every story about people who became immortal. Is oh wait, this actually really sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. And Noctis is his only ticket out of that. So yeah. Does it make sense that he wants to be king or whatever and rule and all that stuff? Sure. But I think deep down, deep down <laughs> in Uncle Artie's heart of hearts, <laughs> he just doesn't want to do this anymore. Because why else would he help Noctis and all that Because all of this? Because he helps Noct to get here to this point to where he can kill him. Doesn't that seem kind of silly? Well, too? I guess he, he, well, he needs Noctis dead. He needs the crystal destroyed and he needs... The ring destroyed. He basically needs the prophecy fulfilled up to the point where it doesn't actually get fulfilled, but everything leading up to it, mm-hmm. the gods are all summoned. The Oracle's dead. The ring is fully powered up. Everything is ready for this final mm-hmm. save everybody superpower. And then he wants to destroy it all so that nothing can happen. Like the whole, that whole line of succession, all the kings, everything is dead. Yeah. And the, because the prophecy is fulfilled. Mm hmm. But canceled at the last moment. Yeah. But see, he says something during this fight. He says, vengeance would be mine if not for you. So if he actually wants to die, he wouldn't be saying something like that. It seems he wants Mm. to kill Noct, but he's unable to because you're just so overpowered because you did a bunch of side quests and grinded out your experience. (laughs) He's really upset with you for all that fishing that you did. Mm -hmm. It wasn't the fishing. (laughs) You're upset with me for all the vision <laughs> I did, not Artie. So that's why I feel like it's just he just he was he he was planning to win, basically. Seems like a good plan. <laughs> but that could be the twist, right? It that, could be. That he he architected this whole thing so that he could die. And the only way that he can die is by getting knocked to this point. As he dies, he says, I will see you in the beyond. Which I think he does. <laughs> I think that's what he I does. think that's the ending. Yeah. At this point, I'm thinking, Arden's dead. Mission accomplished. I didn't have to sacrifice myself. Right. What am I doing? Like, I did it. Yeah. No sacrifice necessary. Mm-hmm. Same thoughts rolling through my head. So what's going to happen? Well, then all of a sudden, Noct is giving his goodbyes to everybody, right? Saying goodbye to his his gang. He goes and sits on the throne, and all those ghostly apparitions of yeah. the kings... They show up in the throne room and take turns attacking Noct, like driving their weapon through his body. Mm -hmm. And it looks really painful. It does, but it doesn't really look a whole lot different than when he receives royal arms. Mm -hmm. It looks like his dad, like a ghostly version of his dad, not like the big souped up like monster version. A normal size version. Yeah, normal like we've seen him earlier. He appears to be standing there, not really watching, like he can't look at what's happening. Mm -hmm. And then... One final king comes up and delivers the final killing blow. Is that his dad? I think that's Regis, yeah. Because he doesn't, his, he's no longer standing there. Yeah, yeah because be Noctis, I, I don't know if the quote written down, but Noctis says something to the effect of, you, I need you to trust mm-hmm. that I can do this. Right. Okay, so then the ring glows, and there's a huge explosion of light. Mm-hmm. And we find ourselves in a floaty area, kind of like inside the crystal. Yeah. And I understand that we're, we should understand this to be an afterlife of some kind. Yeah. And that we're looking at spirits or souls here. 
So Noct and Arden float around. Arden bows. We briefly see a flash of Ignis, Gladio, Prompto, and Noct's dad. Luna shows up at some point to grab Arden's arm, who, who does a glowy thing like we saw earlier for Levi- at the Leviathan battle. Arden pulls away. Noct holds out a hand and glowy energy forms. All of a sudden, the royal arms start, like, trying to escape out of the back of his body, like, painfully. Like, as imagine you had a bunch of knives in the back, inside of you, and they're all <laughs> trying to pierce their way out your back. Right. And his skin starts to change color or something. Like, he's turning into a demon, maybe? And all and then all the kings show up again, the ones who just killed you. They show up, and then they take their turns attacking Arden. And Arden disappears. Knock disappears. The ring falls and disintegrates. I want to rewind us. No, that that was like it. that's the end of the game. Three episodes. Oh, okay. I want to take us back to the fight with Leviathan and and the very end of that fight when Arden shows up and Luna says that she's not going to give him the ring, but she touches him and does the glow, glowy thing, and we're like, "What, what is, is she doing?" Yep. yep. I'm with you. I'm listening. I think I know what she's doing. I'm excited. I have a theory. Okay. That'll never get validated. <laughs> I think. She's trying to remove the demons from Artie. Mm. If she can remove all of the demons from within him, he's no longer eternal and everything that we're about to do doesn't need to happen. Okay. But she was dying and didn't have the ability to do it. And maybe it wouldn't have been strong enough. Probably wouldn't have been strong enough anyway. But we, in the main version, we keep seeing cutscenes of Luna healing people. In a way that seems painful to her. Like, almost... I don't don't recall any of these cutscenes. Well, I got these cutscenes. She's healing people? Like, just random people? Yeah. There were at least two of these. I'm sure I told you about them. I'm sure I told you about them. (laughs) Yeah, you don't get them in the pocket edition, I'm assuming. And it's just random people. Like, people lined up, and they're in a tent, and she touches them and heals them. And it could be that she's taking their ills into herself in the same way that Arden used to do with the demons and that maybe that's what she was trying to do with the Leviathan battle. That would make so sense. So that Noct it would also wouldn't have to sacrifice himself. Why she, uh, why she says in that one cutscene with Ravis that like her body is failing her. Oh yeah. And that she's struggling to get to, to deliver the ring to Noct because if she's doing all this healing and, and removing the monsters, the demons, then that would right. make sense. Yep. That lines up. Yeah. And so she's in the afterlife in spirit form trying to do the same thing again. And he just, he's like, no, nah, I'm not having any of this. Maybe. Maybe. Sure. I mean, at that point, it's kind of pointless, right? Noctis is already dead. <laughs> yeah, that's true. In this, in this afterlife, it's, it's like he's still alive. So the reason why Noct needs to sacrifice himself is so that he can also die to like totally destroy Arden like at the soul level. Yeah. For some reason, the, the planet will be shrouded in darkness forever until Arden dies. And that is never explained why, but that's apparently the case because the light doesn't engulf the planet again until Arden is dead. Mm -hmm. Like, like super dead, redeemed, whatever you want to call it, whatever this thing is, when knock this, you know, hits them with all the swords and then they both disappear into feathers or whatever it yeah, is that they yeah. turn into. <laughs> we got a short credit sequence followed by a couple of post-credit scenes. 
Like a Marvel movie? Like a Marvel movie. A little bit better than that, though. <laughs> the first one is Noct and, and the gang sitting around a campfire, presumably before the final battle. They're all dressed in their royal outfits. Mm-hmm. Noct is overwhelmed with emotion, having accepted his destiny, but he's kind of overjoyed with being together with everyone again. So he has this sort of internal struggle of, I was ready to die, but now you guys are making this really hard mm-hmm. for me to go ahead with this. Yeah, it was a, it was a touching scene. I liked it. There's another bunch of credits. And then we see the light returning to the planet. There's a bunch of just different cuts to different locations that we've been to. Mm-hmm. And you can see the light returning to it, returning to each location. All the demons are gone. The world is at peace. And then finally, we come to the last scene of the game, post-credits. It's We're back at the throne room. And it's decorated like for a celebration, maybe a wedding. And we hear King Regis say, Dearest Luna, you did well to deliver the ring to Noctis. Wayward though my son may indeed be, he has made me proud. May you two know happiness. The camera pans over to the throne and we see the photo. I assume that this is now the photo that you chose. Correct. And this is just a photo. Um, for me, it's it's got everybody on, on there, including Core and Iris and even that Monica chick from mm-hmm. way back when. Couldn't help but notice the classic Final Fantasy ending music that plays over at least the endings that I've seen. I wouldn't know. Never um, finished a Final Fantasy game. <laughs> I don't know if they. I don't know if that's another one of those traditions, like the crystal music. That's really cool. I liked hearing that. All of a sudden, we see Noct is sitting on the throne with Luna at his side. She takes the photo. She's wearing the wedding dress. She's in her wedding dress. They kiss and then rest their heads down and close their eyes, like they're just <laughs> going to take a nap. On the throne, on as the one throne. does, sleeping on it the throne. It looks uncomfortable. It looks super uncomfortable. <laughs> and then we get the Final Fantasy fifteen logo, which now gets updated. We already saw a, a woman laying down, just mm-hmm. like Luna is in this in this scene. Right. And now we see Noct gets added to the logo. Right. And then there is a, a voiceover of Noct saying, thank you. And that's it. That's the end. So this post credit scene here with the throne... <laughs> Is, is confusing for... It's super confusing. It's confusing for timeline reasons, right? Because if we're hearing ki- the king say these things to Luna about he how the ring has been delivered, that Noct has made him proud, that stuff has to happen after Luna dies. It has to happen after Noct dies. But here they are sitting on the throne. They never actually got married. So what's going on here? My first thought was, I have no idea what's going on here. This doesn't make sense. It's not reality. It didn't happen... It can't happen. It won't happen. Is it? And I don't know if this is a thing, but there have been a whole lot of Final Fantasy games. And the phrase Final Fantasy is kind of weird for a series that has lots and lots of games. Does each game have a Final Fantasy moment in it? <laughs> like a, oh, okay. Like a, and this, I, this I was, this would happen. And this was their fantasy. This is like an alternate version of what it could have, it could have been. Right. Like this was Noct and Luna's fantasy for their lives. Mm-hmm. And this is what it looked like. Um, I don't know if that's a, a Final Fantasy thing. No, I don't, I don't think it is. Okay. Um, not from the endings I've seen. Okay. Any other theories? No. So I was as flabbergasted as you were at this. And so I just, I didn't want to sit here on this podcast and just repeat what happened and have no explanation for it. So I did (laughs) look it up and there doesn't seem to be any debate about this. There's no multiple theories. It's just simply, this is a continuation of the afterlife scenes. 
And this is just their souls in the afterlife finally being happy. Oh, I'm cool with that. That works. It's fine, I guess. It's a happy ending, I guess, sort of, to an ending of a game that's really not all that happy. Sure. Yeah, I mean, everybody gets saved. The world gets saved. Even though Noct dies and sacrifices himself. Everybody dies. Like, everybody we care about died. Everybody. Noct died, Luna died, Arden died, Ignis, Prompto, Gladio, Regis. Everybody is dead. How do you know that they died? They're in the afterlife. They're in the beyond. Oh, whoops. Yeah. You're right. Everybody's dead. Now that you mention it, is there any living creature in the ending sequence with the with the light shining in all the locations? Did all life get wiped out? I don't remember seeing any, but I'm not sure that I would presume that it, that the light returning killed everybody. Hmm. I just think that all of our characters who were important to the story died in the final battle, basically. Yeah, but see, this is this is where the sadness and the fear or whatever that comes with death doesn't matter. Because in this case, in this game's lore, there is an afterlife. Mm -hmm. Everybody's cool. Everybody's happy. So what was the big deal, right? Like, it's not much of a sacrifice (laughs) then, right? If you're in a better place and you still get get what you wanted. I don't know about that. I'm not sure that I'm willing to go that far. (laughs) I mean, there's... But the enemy, the enemy if, is defeated. If that's, if that's what, if if that's what everybody would believe, then and and that's all there is to it. Then why doesn't everybody just kill themselves? That's a good question. <laughs> and the reason is because there are things to live for. But yeah, it's weird. Just it, it was weird for me to try to understand that scene because it looks like you know the, the concept of of a soul is weird in in terms of trying to portray it physically, right? Mm-hmm. And we see physical locations, we see physical people wearing physical physical clothes, and I, I wouldn't think that souls need to sleep. Why are they, you know, closing their eyes and going to sleep? It's just, it doesn't feel like an afterlife sort of thing. But, I mean, it, you're right, though. It does seem like an overall happy ending. The world is saved. Yeah. And at least for the characters that we followed along with here, they seem content in yeah. this post-existence. So I want to ask you if you like the game, but I think I need to ask you that question in the context of the Pocket Edition because it's such a different experience. So before we really get into how much you liked the game, maybe it makes more sense to talk about your feelings on this mobile version of the game in general and now now that you finished it. Yeah, that was a big part of why we chose to play Final Fantasy XV was because the Pocket Edition came out not too long ago. And it wasn't just a port, right? Like we talked about, this is a recreation for mobile devices or touchscreen devices. And I just wanted to evaluate and see how that ended up. And is it comparable? And is this a legit alternative for someone who maybe doesn't have a modern console or just doesn't want to spend the time doing a full Final Fantasy does this provide a similar experience? Mm-hmm. And throughout our conversations, I've, I've sort of hinted at or indicated that sometimes I felt like this is great. This is perfect for me. And other times where I was very disappointed with the pocket edition. So I just want to run through some, some of the issues I ended up having and what I think could be done differently that, that would make it more enjoyable for me. Mm-hmm. But it may not necessarily make the most business sense or the most... I don't know, game sense. The good things about the Pocket Edition are this is a more streamlined version, right, of the of the main story. You're following the main quest line of the, of the game 
the mechanics are more simplified. Mm-hmm. The open world is non-existent. So it's nice that you have this fairly linear Final Fantasy experience, which is great for someone who doesn't have a lot of time, but it isn't exactly what RPGs are known for. So right there, it's kind of strange right off the bat. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing how close it actually is in terms of story to the to the main version. The cutscenes are all almost identical, except for the graphics. The voiceover is the same. And except for a few things that we noted throughout our playthrough, everything is there. That's amazing, first of all, that they would bother recreating this game. And we talked about maybe our reasons, or the ideas for why they may have done this. You know, maybe for a Japanese market that is much more focused on mobile phones at the mm, moment. Right. And, you know, this could make a lot of money, you know, for a lower development time in theory. And also it was interesting to note that at the at the finish of the game, the completion of the game, when we see the credits, it actually says that this was made in Unity. So this was made with, you know, an off-the-shelf game engine uh, that would probably be a lot easier to port or create something new in a, in a mobile phone rather than trying to port the existing engine. Right. You know, I think another benefit is that it's it's a full Final Fantasy experience, I suppose, for a lot less money. This doesn't cost $60. No, it's if you buy it outright from the beginning, it's $20. $20. Yeah. But, you know, if you go back to Final Fantasy 15, the base version, you can probably find that for around $25, $30. The price now. really isn't. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Now, not at release, obviously, but but this didn't come out at release, right? It came out significantly later. Mm-hmm. So there's that to consider too. And also, like I mentioned in the uh, opening episode of this, is that there are other RPGs on these app stores for mm-hmm. both iOS and Android. You can get actual full RPGs. Sure, they're older. I mean, you can get things like... Like Super Nintendo Era Super Nintendo RPGs. Era. You can get fi- different Final... Fa- like even Final Fantasy games, right? Mm-hmm. You can even get Final Fantasy Seven on the phone, right? But also, say, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. Right. That's also available on the phone. So there's a lot of massive RPGs that give you the exact same experience. And those all cost the same, if not less. And so... But do they play as well? They probably don't. Because I haven't actually tried any of them. Partly because I just have this feeling that there's no way it's going to... When you take an experience that was originally designed for a TV screen and a controller or a keyboard and mouse and shrink that down to a tiny screen with touch screen controls, that's just not going to be as good. Whereas this game was made from the ground up to be played on a phone. Yeah, definitely. To be fair though, those old games aren't action games. You know, they don't need, Mm -hmm. you don't need to have the reflexes and accuracy of the controls. A lot of them are just turn-based, right? So you just, and they might actually add touch screen controls for those. Mm-hmm. So the the problems I had with the pocket edition, I ended up missing a lot of the things that I thought I wasn't going to miss. Things like side quests. I thought there would still be some side quests, but there really ultimately were not any side yeah. quests. Yeah, that's really disappointing. The talking with people in towns and things, it felt the world felt very empty and there were only just a few key characters that you needed to talk to that were really around. It felt like just the whole world was not as fleshed out as much. Mm-hmm. It, it felt very linear in that sense. It was just, okay, go here, go here. And you had your little quest marker, right? Exactly where you needed to go. If you were ever lost at all, you could just hit hit the menu button and it would tell you exactly where to go. Um, so there was, there was absolutely no sense of exploration. Well, but 
to be fair, in the in the console version, when you have an active quest, it shows you exactly where to go to. Okay. And so that just might be the Final Fantasy 15 yeah. as a whole. The the bigger issue for me though was the revamped graphics, in particular with the character models, because there was no facial expressions whatsoever. Mm. And so while we were recreating all the cutscenes and all the angles of like all the camera shots and all the things that are going on on screen, you have a just a deadpan face. <laughs> and you can you can try to imagine what their face is based on the voices. Sometimes mm-hmm. you can. But there were times where I would review the main version of a cutscene and get a completely different impression of what was going on. Because for me, Arden always has this smirk on his face. <laughs> this evil villain's kind of smirk. Like but even o- in the console version, most of the time like he he's has always a smirk up to on something. his face. But in the one scene where he's in the train, where we're in the train, oh, okay. and Anakt is really going nuts after him, and Arden's like really confused. On the pocket edition, he looks like he's just having fun and he's just playing around. <laughs> Whereas in the main version, I'm looking at it he, and you can see the confusion and I don't know if fear is the right word, but just confusion on his face. Yeah. Or anytime that Luna is talking about, you know, knocked or she's even knocked seeing Luna getting stabbed and all that sort of, it's just, it's just knocked laying on there with dead eyes, you know? <laughs> so I think even though the pocket edition does a great job of recreating this, the, the core story of it, and you can actually get this miniature version of it. I feel like you're actually missing out on more than you should. Mm-hmm. So I think if I were to try to do this again, like let's say they came out with final fantasy 16 in a couple years and they also decided to offer a pocket edition. I would probably not play it if it was designed exactly the same way as this was, mm-hmm. I would be looking for some improvements. I'd be looking for, Adding in some side quests, not just it, optional, right? Not just straight right. uh, main quest, but optional side quests. I'd be looking for some more varied gameplay because for, for me, this was touch on an enemy, knocked goes and attacks. I don't get to control the other characters. That's much like the main version as well, right? Yeah. There, but it was mostly just attack, 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 wait for some bars to fill up and hit those and they do mega attacks and then kill everybody. There really wasn't much in terms of gameplay. Mm-hmm. So there certainly was no challenge there. You couldn't, it was impossible to not be leveled up enough because it's so linear. Yeah. You couldn't accidentally end up in a place where you shouldn't be. Right. I would, I would have people to talk to, to go around towns and find some way to express emotions during those cut scenes. Now, whether that's just having different face textures, you know, where the, like the mouth changes and the eyes change and just swapping out those textures, you know, animate those textures to mm-hmm. show some emotion that would go a long way to help. But I also thought, you know, what if, what if they used pre-rendered versions of the cutscenes from the main version as videos? I was thinking this is kind of feeling like an old PlayStation game. And I started thinking, well, Hey, like why not do pre-rendered backgrounds? Right. For all of the, for all the environments and they would look beautiful and then just put your chibi little character on top of it, just like those old games were. That'd be pretty nostalgic for for a large group of people. And then that's how, that's how the games were back then. Your, Mm -hmm. your, your uh, character model looked completely different (laughs) than the full motion video Mm cutscene. So like maybe, maybe do something like that where during the more, the more important moments, you're getting that really cool looking, uh, version from the from the main version i think that that would be hard uh for space reasons right having all those pre-rendered videos but maybe they could be a little resolution 
And of course, you, the problem with those old games is it was very inconsistent, right? You're like, well, I didn't even like it when it did that. I didn't like it when the graphic style would completely change. Mm-hmm. It's less immersive, I guess. Yeah, it definitely is. I think that could be cool. Well, and I think I would guess that part of their struggle with making this was they said, we don't need to pay voice actors. We don't need to re-record all of this. It'll all just work. But all of those voice clips were recorded with the understanding that graphically you could show those emotions. Mm -hmm. Like there's a whole lot that you can see without hearing that helps convey what's going on to, to fill in the details of the scene. And they were left to decide, well, do we want to pay to re-record these things or do we want to pay for a whole lot of work figuring out how to make these animations and these character models better? And I think at the end of the day, they chose neither because probably because budget and time. Sure. Yep. Whereas, you know, back in, back in the nineties, when you also couldn't really convey much in terms of visual, emotional expression, they just wrote the dialogue differently to, to help convey all of that extra information. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Especially with sprites. Super Nintendo and even PlayStation, or especially PlayStation sprites, you can get pretty expressive because you had a lot of mm. pixels to work with. Right. Especially when you had cartoony characters, you could really, you know, blow up their eyes when they're surprised and something right. like that. Right. But I mean, think about all of those those games that you played back in that era where, well, almost all of the dialogue was written. It mm-hmm. wasn't even voiced at all. Yep. And all of the, like, things in brackets, you know, the size and all of that <laughs> other stuff. That had to just be written, yeah, because there wasn't a better way of of getting that to the to the player. Dot 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 dot. Are you playing Zelda? <laughs> yeah, so I'm trying to think in retrospect, would I have preferred to play the main version? And in some in some ways, I think I would have preferred that. But I think I would have gotten I would have based on what you've been telling me about certain things of the game. I think I would have gotten frustrated, and I may have wanted to quit early on. Hmm. So what, what did I've described makes you think that what, what particular things do you think sound really frustrating, frustrating enough to quit? Well, the grind toward the end, Mm -hmm. right. That we talked about earlier, the complexity of the battle system and all the different things that you can unlock. And I think you would have figured that stuff out faster than I did. Yeah, maybe. I, I think that when it comes to game mechanic type things, you're just smarter about that stuff than I am. I think you would have figured it out right away. It's fine if they introduce one little thing at a time, but when I played, I did play the first chapter, right, mm-hmm. of the of the main version. And before you start, there's like a 15-minute tutorial teaching you all the different things, and it, right. was, it was overwhelming. Well, know? it's not all the things, though. You know, they didn't teach you about the Armager, or however you pronounce <laughs> that, and and some of those things. Right, the royal arms and stuff as you unlock them. Right. What about the time? This game took me... 36 hours to finish. And I wouldn't say I was rushing, but I was probably playing at a more rushed pace than what most people would. Yeah, that's probably on the low end. Yeah. I would think for finishing that game. I would have spent probably 25 hours. So it's still a big chunk of time. Really? You think you spent that much time on the Pocket Edition? I'm sorry. What did I say? 20? I meant 15. I would say probably 15 with each episode being an hour, possibly an hour and a half. I would say somewhere between 15 and 20. 
that's pretty considerable for for a pocket game for a mobile game yeah i'm trying to think of this isn't this never was a game that i played when i was out and about i always played it when i was home when i knew that i had an hour to commit to finishing a chapter Mm -hmm. it's not something that i just you know it's not like a time waster kind of game where you can just pull it out and play for a few minutes you're gonna want to have sound you're gonna want to have headphones or at least the speaker turned up so you can hear what's going on it wasn't like hey those would be cool i'll have a game that i can play while i'm out and about i was already home i could have just booted up the console version or something right right? so there wasn't any advantage there I'm, i'm i'm finding that issue with some switch games too where i some of the games that i have on switch i prefer to just wait till i'm home to play them i'm not going to want to play them out and about like i will play like say mario kart or something out mm-hmm. or some of these indie games that um it's a lot of the like procedurally generated every level or every time you play it's you know randomly generated and stuff like that those are great to have out but i wouldn't i wouldn't play say like zelda <laughs> right just out in the car or whatever mm-hmm. so i guess maybe maybe the best way to to figure out your feelings towards wanting to play the console version. I own the console version on disc. I could give it to you. Would you play it? Certainly not now. Okay. No, I don't think I would, especially after doing it just now. I'm not going to be like, okay, now let's try the real thing. But, you know, maybe in a couple years I might, but I just overall, regardless of pocket edition or main edition, I just wasn't a big fan of the game. Hmm. I mean, you, you've expressed a lot of, of things that you didn't like specifically about the pocket edition, but but you said pocket or main you weren't a big fan of the game. So why why weren't you a fan overall? Mostly the story and the characters. Mm. So I didn't think the story was all that great. At least from the Pocket Edition point of view, that's all that I got was the main story. And I felt like I was missing out on the greater lore. And if some of that's in the main version, then cool. Yeah. Uh, if the side quests actually have a lot of that stuff. And this is the first time I played a Final Fantasy game where I didn't have other characters that I could play as. And <laughs> right. it felt really weird to have just one character and then have these all, the, all these other guys. And they, they seem great together. You know, they, they seem like somewhat fleshed out characters, but they disappear for periods of time. And I feel like that's where most of their character development would be happening is in those, well, what was released as DLC. Mm-hmm. Especially, look at, let's say, Prompto. The whole I'm a robot thing or kind of a robot. I'm not even sure what he is. Right. All he says is I'm an MT. I don't know. Like I don't know anything about these guys' background. And I know that if I were playing another R- RPG, there would have been whole missions about going to their hometown and there would be talking right. with all their family and friends and and there'd be a lot of character development there. And I might even play as that character for a while just that character. None of that's happening here. And I'm not I don't I'm not going to get that in the main version. Not not in the base version. No. No, uh, it, it sounds like we do get that through the DLC, but yeah, you're right. You don't get any of that. And that that is definitely one of my problems with, with this game, too, is it w- would be nice to know more about these other three guys in particular. I mean, mm-hmm. it'd also be nice to know a little bit more about maybe Iris and Luna and, and, and Ravis, too. Maybe even the Emperor. <laughs> Gosh, we know nothing about him. But we just, we don't get any of that unless maybe it's in extra paid content. Mm -hmm. And that, that's really disappointing in a, in a game that is so focused on the relationship between your main character and these other three guys. And like, I feel like I don't know anything about Ignis, Mm -hmm. nothing. 
I know a little bit about Gladio. I know one sentence worth of backstory. <laughs> well, a little bit more than that. Because <laughs> I, I did have that cutscene where he and, he and I were sitting on the roof talking about mm-hmm. how he's always felt inferior and all that stuff. But I know nothing about Ignis, and Ignis seems like a really interesting person. Yeah. And I know nothing. Mm-hmm. How, like, how are you going to build a game that is so much about this, this bond between friends and not know anything about them? Partly that may be because they made this huge franchise about this, like, cross-media. Mm-hmm. Right? It's not just the game. We had some kind of anime movie. There were a couple other games. There was that like side-scrolling brawler on that we played on <laughs> oh, Xbox gosh. for a minute, right? There's some other mobile games that you play as I think uh, the King King Regis or something. There and there's probably comic books and and it feels and like Kingsclave the movie. There's a movie. It feels like there's that to really experience all this. You need to have done all that. And mm-hmm. I don't know the order if you should do all that before the game. I don't know, but. I want to play a game. I just want to play a game. Right? I don't <laughs> <Right>. want. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, other, other gaming properties have done similar things, but extra content is just that extra content. Yeah. Yeah. It's not filling in the main story. The game is the core. Right. And then if you want to fill in some other things, get some more backstory, go read a comic book or whatever. You mm-hmm. know? Yeah. It feels like all those are prereqs. Like this is a college class and I got to take <laughs> Final Fantasy 15 101 before getting into the, the real meat and potatoes here. Yeah. Would you recommend or who would you recommend this game to? I would still recommend this game to to fans of RPGs in general, but more specifically action RPGs and maybe even more specifically open world RPGs. Mm. I doubt that it's the best example of an open world RPG because I think there's probably games that have more going on in the open world, but I think there's enough here to keep you interested and that some of those things to do on the side are interesting enough to, to go out and do like the monster hunts in this game and stuff like that. Anybody who loves games that just look gorgeous, Mm -hmm. like this game is beautiful. There, there are times when this game can be really relaxing. You know, you could, you could play this game while you're listening to a podcast or something like that because you're just out doing grindy type stuff or side questy type stuff. Some people look for that sort of thing yeah, in a game. Definitely. And if that's you, you'll like this. <laughs> Maybe this kind of goes against what we're doing here, but for people who don't care that much about story, well, maybe this is an okay <laughs> game because the story is just okay. And uh, that frustrates me because there are some cool things about this story. Mm-hmm. But it it's just not it's just not all there. So I, I mean that's who I would recommend the full version to. I, I I don't know if you wanna if if there's anyone you would recommend either version of this game to that that I haven't already mentioned. I've been thinking a lot about that, and I think for the pocket edition, I guess it's it's I will I wouldn't recommend it to people who've already played the game, right? So if you've already played Final Fantasy 15 on a console or something, yeah, 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 don't play. There, there's edition. there's no need to. It's it's not it's. It's not like you're you're not getting that full experience. It's not something you can just go wander around and, and kill some time in, right? Mm-hmm. It's very linear. The save, like if you're in the middle of a of a quest and you quit the game as, and bring it back up, you start back at the beginning of that quest. There's no like mid saving. Oh wow! So you're really expected to play through a big chunk of it, not the whole chapter, but you know, 
every so often you'll get the little experience screen and, and okay but there yeah there were times where i had to force quit the game and when i came back i lost you know 20 minutes of progress or whatever oh, wow. so yeah it's not like a pick up and play kind of thing like that but if you're someone who hasn't played the game yet and you're somewhat interested in final fantasy games and you just want to know well, well, how did the story turn out in this one is it any is it cool or not yeah yeah go ahead check it out I don't know why you couldn't just watch a, a YouTube recap, though. <laughs> That's true. That might that might actually be better. So for me, I want a game like what you're describing. I I keep searching for role playing games on my phone that aren't going to be burdensome to play mm-hmm. and are going to be somewhat linear because it seems like the only games you can find on mobile are strategy games, and I suck at strategy mm-hmm. games. I want a decent story based role-playing game of sorts to play on my phone and that this has some of that yeah that would have been good for you yeah Yeah. you should have chosen that version apparently we should have flip-flopped right (laughs) yeah so you're not gonna play the main version anytime soon anytime soon and you're basically telling me that i probably shouldn't waste my time playing the pocket edition no so and this whole time i've been thinking i might go play the pocket edition now, yeah, I agree. I, I don't think there's any reason for me to go play the Pocket Edition. So there's when when you boot up the the main version, one of the opening title screens every time you load it up. So you you stop noticing this after a while, right? But that I that I noticed again when I was booting it up to finish the last time is a screen that says a Final Fantasy for fans and first timers. And I really do think that they hit the nail on the head with that because I am a first timer and I wasn't, I mean, I'm kind of a first timer, Mm -hmm. never finished one, never made it very far in any of the other ones. And I wasn't completely overwhelmed by all of the systems in the game. I wasn't completely overwhelmed by some of the crazy aspects of the, the story and the plot. I thought it did make a good Final Fantasy for first timers. Maybe I maybe I can't really say whether or not it, it was a good Final Fantasy for fans, but it seems to have done well enough that that's probably true. It works well for newcomers because it's such a different game from mm-hmm. a gameplay perspective. I think this is the first game without turn-based combat. I think so. Except for the MMOs. So there's that. It is an open-world RPG, right? And open-world games have been popular for a few years now. And so that makes sense from a returning player. It's hard for me to say, cause I've been out of the loop for quite a while, but I feel like there's enough, just like every final fantasy has all the references that just classic stuff. Like we, we like, like the chocobos, you know, the, the characters that have been in most of the games, different, yeah, different characters, the music, um, you, you've got enough of those connections that it feels like a final fantasy game. Mm-hmm. So are you thinking about maybe playing a different final fantasy game? you want to go back and, and play a different one? Cause there's a lot that's available. Like it's not like, <laughs> right. it's not like it's hard to find these games, right? Nope. Going all the way back to the first one and all the, all the more recent ones, they've all been re-released mm-hmm. on, on modern systems. So, yeah. you know, now that you've gotten through an entire final fantasy game, are you at all interested in going back to some of the others? I am, you know, the, the, the two that I'm most interested in potentially trying again are the two that i've tried well two of the three that i've tried previously i'm still very interested in final fantasy 7 and for whatever reason i still kind of feel like giving final fantasy 13 another shot 
Now on on 13, that's that's simple. I own it on PC. I could fire it up tonight and <laughs> jump right back into it. Well, I would start over, obviously, because I barely <laughs> yeah. remember any of the story. Because I gave up on that game when I decided 10 or 12 hours in or whatever that I didn't care about any of the characters. And I wonder if maybe I would for some reason now. And maybe I was just in a crappy mood that day or or something. You know, maybe maybe I just didn't give it enough of the benefit of the doubt. So I'd kind of want to try 13 again. And I still, you know, I didn't make it very far into seven. I really don't actually know much of the lore of seven. It somehow hasn't been, I don't think it's been spoiled for me. Like I I I don't think I even made it far enough into the game to be introduced to Sephiroth but I know a little bit about how he's at least one of the main guys that you would fight against or something like that. But I don't know how it ends. I, I, I don't think, I mean, maybe I would, cause I've seen some of the, they made some extra movies and stuff around that. And I, mm-hmm. I think I watched at least one of those, but it all just felt like I have no idea what's going on here. <laughs> so <laughs> I think I could probably play through seven without it being spoiled, but that's really impressive because that's, one yeah. of the, that's like, there are things in seven that are like Darth Vader is, is Luke Skywalker's dad kind of <laughs> right. like, it's, it's hard to get through even talking about games without people making references to some of the things happening in seven. Hmm. So if you haven't been spoiled yet, that's awesome. Right. But you should play that game. <laughs> if, if, if you have any intention of playing that game, you probably should because there's a good chance that you will be spoiled. So, but but for seven, and I own that one on PC. I also own it on PlayStation Vita. I could pull, or not Vita, <laughs> PSP. I own oh, it on geez. PSP. I could pull out my Darth Vader PSP and play that there. I'm not going to. I but I could play it on my PC. But now they're working on a full remake. Right. So do I wait for that? That remake. Well, we have E3 coming up in a couple of weeks. We might get some news about the Final Fantasy VII remake. But it still feels like it's so far away. Mm. And from what I understand, they are going to be splitting it up into episodes. So oh. where you're not releasing the entire game at once. I don't know if it's like three or four. And I'm not quite sure how that how that will work. But it sounded like that's how they're tackling such a massive project. Because that game is huge. And they're basically recreating that in the style of Final Fantasy XV. That level of graphics, real-time combat. So... It's going to be a completely different game. I assume the story will be very similar, mm-hmm. but maybe this will be like a pocket edition versus main edition in terms of, wow, I don't know. Yeah. In terms of visuals anyway. Uh, well, and, and the other stumbling block there is the amount of time to play through one of these games. And there are other really big games that I also want to try, mm-hmm. you know, on, on the 360, I loved Lost Odyssey and I've got it. I've got it. On my Xbox One right now, ready to play. <laughs> I never finished that game. I don't know why, but I loved it. And I would like to go back and play through that game. And it's probably every bit as long as Final Fantasy fifteen was. Mm-hmm. And where am I going to find the time to play all of these massive role-playing games? You're going to stop doing this podcast and you're just going <laughs> to play games. Right. So what about you? Do you have any interest in going back and playing any of the other 47 different Final Fantasy games. Honestly, I mean, I I do occasionally get the itch to do a JRPG. And playing through this has only made that itchier. So I've been thinking, yeah, seven, 
Well, yeah, I'd love to play through seven again. It's kind of old. Eight? Yeah, I don't remember eight that much, but I remember really liking it. Maybe I'll play that. And then I think six. Six for the Super Nintendo, three when it was released in the US. I've never played that at all. And people say that a large group of people say that is the best Final Fantasy game. Hmm. And that's that's easy to get. That's that's they've got that on phones. They've got, I think, a PC port. They've got um virtual console on on Wii, Wii U. So, you know, I think I want to, I want to, I want to do that, but same deal. That's a, it's a long game. Mm -hmm. So I have a final fantasy three for Nintendo DS. Oh, really? I don't know if that's Japanese three or American three. I'm sure it's, I'm sure it's actually six. Yeah. So you could potentially buy, I think you have a DS. Yeah. I have a three DS. I don't, that, that would work. That'd be cool. I played so I've, forgot i even had that i did play some of that and found it really boring (laughs) i think that's the port that's the that version on ds those ports that were made for all those final fantasy games on ds are the ports that were made for mobile they were actually ports of the ds games oh interesting so but at least you'd have actual d-pad and buttons to push instead of on-screen crap on a phone Well, I don't think there's much else to be said that we haven't already said in the last six episodes of this series. That's going to wrap it up for our Final Fantasy XV series. Thanks for sticking with us. Thanks for listening. We've spent a whole lot of time this episode talking about how we felt about Final Fantasy XV, and we want to know how you felt about it, too, especially if you've played both versions and and how you think that, that those compare. So you can send us that feedback in a lot of ways. You can email us. Storyplayers at the digitalmediazone.com. You can leave comments on the website over at the digitalmediazone.com. You can tweet us at VG Storyplayers. You can leave a message on our Facebook page, which is facebook.com slash VG Storyplayers. So there's no shortage of ways to get a hold of us. Also, please make sure you're subscribed because the next episode isn't too far behind and we've got a brand new game for you to check out and hear our discussion on. You can subscribe in Apple Podcast or wherever you find podcasts. And if you do, please leave a rating and a review. This has been another episode of Story Players. Thanks for listening. I'm Josh Pollard. I'm Joe DeSazio. Adios. See ya. And then Shiva, who comes and actually finishes off our pyromancer. It's not pyromancer. What is he? Pyro. Pyro. Eater. Would you call him ear feet? (laughs) Ifrit. Pyre burner. Pyre burner. It's actually Shiva. Or Shiva comes and actually finishes off the pyre what did you say (laughs) pyre burner pyre burner